Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Jared Diamond. Jared is the national baseball writer for the Wall Street Journal. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Jared Diamond. Jared, thanks so much for taking the time for joining the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I ask everyone this right at the top. Tell me what initially got you into baseball in the first place. Huh, man, that feels like such a long time ago. It's hard to even remember how it started. I've loved baseball since... As long as I could remember, actually, even before that, in some ways, when I was born, uh, my birth announcement was a makeshift baseball card (laughs) with the back being my height and weight and other relevant statistics. So I think I was basically born into this. And especially now that my my name is Diamond. So really, I was I think I was born into this job. Yeah, you're like Usain Bolt. He just became the fastest man in the world, and your name is Diamond, and you cover baseball. Yes, it's called an aptonym. I've learned that since I've started doing this job. An aptronym, I'm sorry, aptronym. It means a person's name that is regarded, regarded as amusingly appropriate to their occupation. That's a real word. Were you a, you mentioned the baseball card birth announcement, where you were a baseball card collector as a kid? I was a little. I had some binders with the cards and the plastic sheets. Uh, you know, I kind of lost interest in that when I was a kid. It was never something I stuck with or any intention of selling, but I, I did I did have them. And I bet in my parents' basement, the binders are still there untouched from third grade. We're going to do a season preview this episode. We're going to hit on every team briefly and try and go through as much as we can. But before we get into the team specifics, I just want to get your general thoughts on the offseason, how the free agent market shook up. What did you think about what happened in the last three or four months? It was certainly a strange offseason, no doubt about it. One that we've, I feel like we've been talking about it now for so long. I I never remember talking about sort of the, the market as a whole as much as we had this winter. And that's because it was just so unusual and so interesting. And problematic in some ways it makes you sort of look into the future and wonder what the future holds what's going to happen when the cba expires even what's going to happen just next off season but clearly what we saw this winter was the culmination of a brewing brewing circumstances that have been sort of happening slowly over time that all came together this off season and it made really an unprecedented market for the players and I understand why some of them are are freaking out a little bit because they saw a lot of their peers who were free agents not get signed and ones who did get signed for well below what was expected. There are still a lot of very good players sitting at home that have no offers. It's just, it's hard to fathom. Yeah, and we continue to see the trend of seeing these elite prospects being sent down, Ronald Acuna, and it's blatant service time manipulation, and no one seems to have a problem with it. Fans don't seem to have a problem with it, that they're going to miss these players for a few weeks. It's only a few weeks, and uh, the front office obviously doesn't have a problem with it. The union agreed to these terms. It's kind of on them, but uh, that's another part of this big problem that we're, that's looming ahead of us here. One thing that's happened, and it's something that the owners and the league has done a, such an incredible job at, and, and I say that not as a compliment. It's more, more nefarious than that. They've done an incredible job of convincing fans that spending money is bad, that this service time manipulation stuff is good. I remember uh, there was a five-minute stretch this week in between Scott Kingery. Uh, we all heard Scott Kingery, the Philly second baseman, was going to make the big league roster. Five minutes later, we all found out that that was because he had signed a long-term extension with the Phillies. But in that sort of five-minute interim period, I saw a bunch of tweets from people saying, Oh, this is terrible for the Phillies and their fans because now they're not good. Now Kingery's going to be free agent a year earlier. And I'm thinking to myself, the Phillies clearly think they have a chance to make the playoffs this season, and they're going with the best possible roster they can. Every single year, these playoff spots go down to the very last game, and you have fans actively saying we should not put our best team on the field for the first three weeks. And that's when the owners in the league have done such a good job of convincing fans that's the case. I've seen fans all winter praising their team for not spending on free agents because they have to stay under the luxury tax. If I'm a fan, I'd want my owner to go over the luxury tax every single year. But now we live in this world where the general managers, the executives, they're the celebrities. Uh, even more than the players, every fan sort of fashions himself or herself as a wannabe GM. They think like GMs. And 
frankly, I don't know if that's a good thing. Fans shouldn't be GMs. Fans should want their general managers to do crazy things and keep and keep bringing in talent just to try to win games, not be efficient or budget conscious. But, you know, it, this has been something that's been going on for a long time, really, ever since Moneyball made Billy Bean uh, one of the most powerful and popular people in all of baseball. I completely agree with you, and there's no greater example of that this offseason than the Marlins trading Giancarlo Stanton. And even some people in the press were saying, oh, this they had to do this. This is the right thing to do. When fans were saying this, I'm like, really? Really? Trading this guy who just won the MVP and hit 59 home runs for literally nothing was the right decision? <laughs> I don't know how any fan could think that way about that trade. And let me tell you something. We hear so much about the luxury tax, that $198 million luxury tax. How many teams are even remotely close to that luxury tax? Most teams, a vast majority of teams, could sign a free agent, pay him $30 million this season, and still not be that close to the luxury tax. So when I hear fans in, say, Milwaukee or fans in Minnesota or some of these places that say, oh, we can't go after the big free agent because we need to stay under the luxury tax, your payroll right now is $90 million. There's $100 million before that 198 luxury tax kick in. I just don't understand uh, how these GMs and owners in the league have done such a good job of convincing fans that this is okay. Or maybe just the union has such a ter- done a terrible job of getting their side out there. But the reality is the MLBPA has lost in the court of public opinion since the day it was founded. It will continue to lose in the court of public opinion for the rest of time. And one thing that the best executive directors of that union has done, Marvin Miller, and Donald Fear and some of these guys, Michael Weiner, would say, I don't care. They didn't care what the fans thought. They went out and did what was best for the players and it made it the strongest union in all of sports. It's it's fractured a little bit this offseason, and that to me makes it very interesting to see what's going to happen moving forward because clearly uh, it has not worked the way the players uh, the way it has for the players for decades. Major League Baseball has seen, really since the second half of 2015, there have been record rates of home runs. Last year, they smashed the record for most home runs hit. Home run percentage, everything is up regarding home runs. Do you expect that trend to continue? I'm not saying that the record's going to be broken again. Uh, I don't necessarily view the single-season home run record as a ever-climbing sort of tree that's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Maybe we'll break it again. Maybe we won't. But I do think certainly you're going to see a lot of home runs this season. I think you're going to see a lot of home runs for the foreseeable future. And there's a few reasons for that. We're all going to talk about the baseball itself. There's been a lot of really good reporting into that issue done by 538. Rob Arthur over there in particular has dominated this story for a year just about some of the changes that may be happening in the base in the baseball itself. And some of the evidence there is kind of it seems hard to argue when you read some of the things that we've all seen on 538 and the ringer and a few other places. The other thing is the the changes to the swing. I'm actually writing a book. <laughs> I'm mid sort of at the very early stages of a book project. It won't be out probably till 2020. So early plug uh, about the swing and how the swing is changing and why it's changing and the people that are sort of leading this charge. We've seen players, guys like Justin Turner, like J.D. Martinez, like Daniel Murphy, Chris Taylor, the list goes on and on. Players that have remade their swings from scratch in a very unorthodox way, often by working with an outsider hitting coach who knows never worked inside professional baseball and changed their careers. So I, I do believe that the changes to the swing are a major factor in why home runs have gone up. I believe the baseball is also a factor, and there's probably some others out there. I should say the last time we all thought the ball was juiced, it turned out all the players were juiced. So I, I can't, I can't, I can't sit here in good faith and tell you PEDs are, are not a factor in this as well. I, I cannot, I just can't say that they're out of the game. I, every single Friday, we get an email with minor league players who've gotten suspended. If there's minor league players getting caught, I'm willing to bet there's major league players are not getting caught as well. Let's start going around the divisions and looking at some of the teams and the players. And then we're going to start in the AL East because you and I both have an East Coast bias. Uh, the Red Sox added J.D. Martinez. He's their only new player on their 40-man roster. They changed managers as well. 
They're interesting because they won the division last year, but they had a lot of players underperform their projections even when they won the division. Um, A lot of players still didn't do what they were expected to do. Do you think that corrects itself this year and they'll be even better? You know, I think because the offseason the Yankees had, and I'm sure we'll get more into that in a minute, everyone is sort of just given this division to the Yankees. And I understand why the Yankees are a great team. But we have to remember that Boston's won the AL East two years in a row. They won it last year despite ranking, I believe, last in the American League in home runs. Absolute dead last in the American League in home runs, which is hard to believe they still won the division. They also won the division with David Price sort of struggling, their starting pitching not being as good as you might have thought it would be. A lot of the players, the young hitters, not doing what you expect them to do, like you said. So to me, the AL East is very much still in play uh, with Boston certainly having a chance to win it again. J.D. Martinez is the huge bat in the middle of it. He should hit 44, at least 40 home runs again, you would think, especially in Fenway Park. And I also believe that some of these guys, like Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, uh, will have bounced back years. Andrew Benintendi looks like a very good young player. I also believe David Price is better than what we've seen from him in Boston. So uh, to me, the AL East is a division that's going to go down to the wire. I think the Yankees and Red Sox are two great teams and to just sort of give it to the Yankees right now, uh, if you're a Yankee fan, to me, that's just foolish. I would ke- at least keep an open mind to the possibility that there could be a real race. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with some exciting Yankee-Red Sox games in you know, mid-September. The Yankees, of course, added Stanton. They made some nice moves, adding Drury and Walker as well. Uh, they obviously replaced Yardy with Boone. I think they have more talent than the Red Sox. I think they have more high-end talent. But I also think that they have more more risky players. I think we don't know what we're going to get from Aaron Judge or Luis Severino. Uh, Those guys peaked and had big years last year. Do you think they repeat that success from last year, or do you think we see some regression from both of them? You just said it. You you took the words right out of my mouth with the Yankees, which is Aaron Judge and Luis Severino were such a huge part of that team last year. We really can't say with certainty that they're going to repeat the performance. I, I hope they do. I, I think it'll be great. Aaron Judge was an incredible story last year, but am I going to, do I know, do I really feel that confident that he's going to hit 50 home runs again? I don't know. He's never done anything like that before in the minor leagues. And the other thing I would say about the Yankees, for all the excitement about Giancarlo Stanton, and for good reason, he is an absolute stud. He's never had a season like the one he had last year at any other point in his career. Because he just never stayed healthy. This is the guy that in the past has struggled to stay healthy. Last year he played 159 games and had an absolutely monster season. But he hasn't shown that he's going to be able to play 150 games you know, consistently. So uh, I don't mean to throw cold water on the Yankees. I still think the Yankees are the best team in the AL East. But uh, whenever there's too much excitement or hype around a team, I just feel compelled to sort of point out so maybe some of the factors that are not being considered. And, uh, I think the Yankees are going to be great, but I, there are some question marks. The one thing that I love about them that I think is going to be there all year long that will really help them is that bullpen. That bullpen has a chance to be uh, just beyond elite, the all-time elite if things go well. And that's something that could cover up a lot of holes, especially in this the version of baseball that's being played in 2018. Is Judge going to be their leadoff hitter? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I Maybe you'll see it at some point. I don't think it's going to be a regular thing. The guy was awesome in the number two spot last year. I see no reason to change it. Fred Gardner's still there. Maybe against a tough lefty, if Gardner sits, you'll see it. But I, I, I admire Aaron Boone for sort of being willing to try some outside-the-box things. I, I like anyone in baseball that does things that are sort of unconventional. So if he tries it, I'm all for it. The Blue Jays made some nice small moves. They added Randall Gerchik in a trade with uh, St. Louis, but they're still sort of stuck in a situation where they two teams that are better than them, and it's Josh Donaldson's walk year as well. I guess their biggest question is with their pitchers, Aaron Sanchez, who missed almost all of last year with a blister issue, and Marcus Stroman, who's been dealing with some injuries this spring. What do you think about those guys combined? Can they get 300 innings from those guys together? You certainly hope so if you're the Blue Jays. I, I sort of admire the offseason they had just because they're they're still trying to win. They're trying to put it together and trying to make a go at it. And we're sort of in this era where it seems like the, the thing in vogue is to sort of blow it up early and 
start all over again. And the Blue Jays said, we're going to give it another shot. I like that. I spent, I spent a good amount of time this spring uh, with Ross Atkins, the general manager, and talked to him about some of this stuff. And sort of one thing he said, and I think very accurately, was look, look at our roster. And blowing it up really wasn't an option for us. You know, Josh Donaldson, yeah, he's in his walk year, but he's had some injury problems and sort of has not been super consistent. How much are we really going to get? Is he really that coveted in a trade? How much do we get for him? Some of these other guys that are good, you know, Troy Tulowitzki is really no market for him. I think the Blue Jays sort of looked at their roster and said, we have a better chance to try to win with this team than we have sort of acquiring the big pieces for the future by blowing it up. And therefore, let's go give it a shot and see if we can make something happen. And I don't think they're a playoff team, but there's still some nice pieces on this roster. They have some good young players sort of at the lower end of the minor leagues as well. So. Go give it a shot. See, run it out there, play the, play the season, and maybe at the end of it, they're in that contention for the second wild card. The reality is it doesn't take all that much to get into September sort of in contention for that spot. The Orioles added Alex Cobb late. This is uh, Manny Machado's walk year. It's Adam Jones's walk year, Zach Britton, and Brad Brock as well. I don't think they're going to contend, and I think it's going to be a fire sale pretty early with them. Do you think they're going to be the biggest sellers at this year's deadline? I've seen. I don't quite understand why, and maybe you've seen the same. Seen the same. I've seen. I've seen a bunch of respected people picking them to make the playoffs, and frankly, I don't understand it at all. I don't see where that's coming from. But I saw a few, a couple, sort of well-respected baseball writers who had them in their playoff predictions. Like I said, I don't see it. I think the Orioles are sort of in big trouble. Uh, I think they really missed their the window. They. Manny Machado should have been traded last year. It's just a fact. They, that was their chance to move him. It's not really there anymore. They're not going to get the haul for him that they would have liked because they're only whenever they trade him, it's just going to be for half of the season. I do think there's going to be a big fire sale in Baltimore. I think it should have happened last year. I think that's the you know from everything we know about the owner, he's just I think he decided he sort of hamstrung his GM a little bit and said keep these guys even if the gm may or may have known it wasn't the right thing to do and now they're kind of stuck uh the orioles to me are sort of in that worst position where they're in that sort of they're in that we're not in it and we we haven't blown it up and now our window to kind of blow it up is passed and yeah i think sort of the next few years for the orioles are going to be sort of rough that's not that's not a team i'd want to be a fan of right now yeah, I think it's going to get ugly for the Orioles this year, and, and that ugliness is going to continue for maybe the next half decade, which is a, a bummer for them. But moving on to the Rays, they made some cost-saving moves this offseason. They traded their face of the franchise, Evan Longoria, earlier in the offseason. Uh, they're interesting. They made some other small moves when they like, sort of dumped Corey Dickerson for seemingly no reason other than to save a few bucks. Uh, they did add Carlos Gomez and a few others, but they're interesting because Pakoda sees them as a wild card contender. The odds makers in Vegas kind of see them as one of the worst teams in the American League. Which way do you lean with them? I think they'll be better than people think because everyone sort of looks at them like they're going to win 60 games. I don't think that. I think the Rays are always sort of better than that. The Rays are always a team that seems to do better than we think. Just last year, they were kind of hanging around contention for most of the season, 180 games. So... I think they'll be better. I, I don't think that they're going to contend for the playoffs, though. I will say, I think the Rays are going to be a very interesting team. You know, they're doing this four-man rotation concept in the bullpen day. They're sort of innovating and trying things out. I have absolutely no idea if any of it's going to work. It might all be terrible ideas. But like I said about Aaron Boone, I, I like when teams try different things. I will be watching the Rays with, with interest for a few reasons. I don't think we're going to see them anywhere near the postseason as we get into August and September. Moving on to the AL Central, the Cleveland Indians, in my opinion, have the easiest path to the playoffs this year. Last year, they were very good. Their pitching staff was historically good. Do you expect more of the same from them this year? You know, if I were to make predictions, I don't really have to make predictions for the Wall Street Journal formally. But if I were, I'd I'd have the Indians winning the pennant Uh, this season. I think they may not be the best team in the American League on paper. We will get to that team in a few minutes. But I love the Indians. I love their starting pitching. 
I think we kind of forget how good they are because of their disappointing postseason exit last season, which was a big surprise to all of us that they lost in the first round to the Yankees after that incredible regular season that they had. I, I expect them to be right back there with another, you know, close to 100 win or 100 win regular season. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, like I said, to see them in the World Series again like they were in 2016. This is a, a great team. They replaced Carlos Santana with Yonder Alonso. I don't think they'll miss much of a beat there. Those are fairly comparable players in my mind. And like I said, that starting rotation is so great. That bullpen is still great with Cody Allen and Andrew Miller. Uh, the Indians are loaded, and let's not overlook them because they didn't have sort of the sexy offseason that a team like the Yankees had. They didn't have a sexy offseason because they didn't have any holes to fill. The Twins sort of unexpectedly made the playoffs last year. This offseason, they added Jake Odorizzi, Lance Lynn, Addison Reed, Logan Morrison. Those are some nice, good players there. You don't normally see the Twins making that many acquisitions, but they did get four good players there to try and buy back some of the wins that they might have lucked into last year. Do you expect them to be in the playoff picture again this year? I do. I think they'll be back in the playoffs. I think the Twins had the best offseason of any team in the major leagues. I think they had a phenomenal offseason. They did it sort of late, how they sort of snuck in there and acquired Logan Morrison and Jake Odorizzi and, and Lance Lynn. I, I love what the Twins have done. I do think the Twins are a playoff team. Again, I expect them to be, If you know, certainly, I think they'll win the wild card. They'll certainly be in the wild card hunt. Fantastic work by Derek Falvey and Dad Levine in that front office. They really, to me, had a, a sneakily good winter. And now that the dust is settled, we look at their team and it's, it's very good. I think it's better than maybe people realize. Their starting rotation which was a huge weakness last season, now looks like a strength with Odorizzi and Lynn in it. Uh, the lineup was good last year. It should be good again. Uh, yeah, I- I'm in on the Twins. I think they have a very good team. The Twins have one of the most interesting players in baseball, in my opinion, in Byron Buxton. He's so inconsistent at the plate. There's times where he's great, and there's times where he's just he just looks like he doesn't belong in the majors with his bat. He's so elite defensively, though, and on the bases— what do you think of Buxton? Is he an MVP candidate, or is he just a guy who's going to be a great defender who ultimately can't hit? Oh, I think he'll hit. He, I think we got to remember how young Byron Buxton is. He's still only 24 years old. I know it kind of feels like he's been around forever, but he's very, very young. He, he just turned 24 in December, so he has his whole age 24 season ahead of him. He hit 300 with an 893 OPS in the second half last season. Uh, maybe he figured something out after a very, very bad first half. I think Buxton's going to be fine. I think he's a, he's a very, very good player. Is he going to be an MVP candidate this year or ever? I don't know. Who's to say just how good of a player he'll develop into? But uh, with his defense, which is absolutely elite among the best, if not the best, of any center fielder in the league, uh, that will always be there. And I do think the offense is going to continue to develop. The Royals lost Eric Hosmer and Lorenzo Cain this offseason, but they did bring back Mike Moustakis and Elcides Escobar. Uh, why didn't the market for Mike Moustakis develop at all this offseason? He was a victim, to me, of the sort of increase in home runs that we talked about earlier. The reality is sort of the one-dimensional power hitter, uh, of which there are many around Major League Baseball. They just have a tough time right now. We did hit 38 home runs, which is a lot of home runs, but that's sort of what he brings to the tables on base percentage was just 314 as you know, he just doesn't do much else, but hit for power. And that kind of player just isn't commanding a lot on the open market because home runs are you know more or less easy to find these days. So uh, I feel bad for him in a way. And it's all relative. Of course, he's still making a lot of money, money we'd all love to have, but no, he's a better player to me than the contract he got. The market just kind of squeezed him out. And you know, maybe I'll have another big year and give it a, another go next season. The White Sox are loaded with young talent, but their major league roster is still far off from contention, at least in my opinion. What do you think the expectations are for Yohan Moncada and Lucas Giolito this year? Two former high-end elite number one type prospects that have both struggled a little bit and perhaps seen their perceptions of their abilities public and I think privately within the industry decline as well. I think it's easy to compare those two guys. I don't necessarily think they're in the same situation. Uh, I totally agree with you about Lucas Giolito. His his stock has certainly dropped within the industry over the last 
year or two. Yohan Moncada, I don't think necessarily that's the case. Uh, I think maybe some fans feel that way because he has yet to really break out at the major league level. But, man, is he also so young. He's 22 years old. I mean, let's let's hit the brakes on this guy. He's going to be fine. There's a reason why he is considered like the was considered the best prospect in all of Major League Baseball. I guess he's been surpassed by Ronald Acuna, Acuna now, but he he's going to be big. And as for Giolito, I don't know. I'm not a scout. I do know that there's people in the industry that sort of aren't as high on him as they were before. But I, I'm not willing to write him off. You know, he's he's a prospect. He has a chance to still be very good. He had a very good spring training. He looked very good all spring through 18 innings. Gave up like four and runs. He was really, really good. Maybe that's a sign of things to come for him. The Tigers are obviously in a big rebuild. They earned this, though. They tried to contend for a decade, and you know some of their players got old and, and injured, and this is what happens at the end of a run. I'm curious what you think of Miguel Cabrera, though. He had his worst season as a pro last year. Is this the start of the end for him, or do you think he still has some excellence left in him? Yeah, it's probably, like, he's declining. There's no, I don't think there's any doubt about it, and he should be. I mean, the guy's been playing, seems like, forever. Team in 2003, he's 34 years old. Yes, he's in his decline phase, which is sad because Miguel Cabrera has been such an incredible player for this is going to be his 16th major league season now. That said, last year was very bad for him. I'm not sure that he's sort of went from being great to terrible in one shot. I I think he still has some some things left to offer. But yeah, certainly he's on the downside of his career, and the problem for him is I don't know if the Tigers are going to be good again in his career just because they're about as far off as any team in the major leagues to me right now. And like you said, they earned it. They went for it for quite a long time. They went to the World Series twice. I know they never won one. There's a lot of Tigers fans that might say it wasn't worth it. But you know what? They gave themselves a chance. And uh, good for them. I'm sorry for their fans. They didn't get a title out of it. Yeah, Cabrera, I think his days of 150, 160 OPS plus, I think that's over. I think it's reasonable that he might have some 120, 125, be 25% above average at the plate the next couple of years. I think that's reasonable before the full-fledged Pujols-type decline happens, but I, I think he can be a productive hitter for the next few years. Moving on to the AL West, of course, the defending champs, the Houston Astros, they added Garrett Cole, they extended Jose Altuve. They were also historically good last year. They had an amazing team, and they're bringing back most of it, plus they're getting a full season out of Justin Verlander. Do you think they repeat as champions this year? The Astros are the best team in the major leagues on paper. I don't think there's any doubt about it. They were the best team in many ways last year. They should be better this season with a full year of Verlander, Garrett Cole for a whole year. And just all those young hitters stepping up, getting a little bit older, moving into their primes even more. But all of that said, look, it's hard to repeat. The Chicago Cubs looked like the best team on paper last year after their World Series in 2016, and they struggled for the first half of the season. You know, the Indians struggled for half the season or a little less as well. It's hard. It's hard to repeat. There's a reason why no one's done it since 2000. So, while I do believe the Astros are the best team, I'm not going to sit here and say I think they're going to repeat just because it's hard to repeat. People don't do it anymore. Maybe they're good enough to, but you know, I'm not. It's hard. That's what I'll, how I'll leave it. It's very hard. The Astros obviously won last year. The Cubs the year before that. What do you think that those two teams, who were the sort of poster boys for rebuilding or tanking, however you want to call it? And then they rebuilt and won the World Series. What do you think that says about the future of baseball and how teams are assembled? It says teams are going to try to copy them, and in my mind, most of them are going to fail. Uh, they're too late. They missed the window. You can't tank anymore. Teams have done it. It already worked. And now guess what? It's too many teams are trying to do it. Not this many teams could try to tank. If you're trying to copy, if you're just jumping on the bandwagon of what somebody else had success with, you're already too late. That's the way this industry works. You have to be the ones innovating. You have to be the ones coming up with the great ideas. The Astros and Cubs did it. It worked out great for them. I don't think it's going to work for a lot of these teams trying to do it. They should be spending their time trying to come up with a strategy the Astros and Cubs haven't tried. I'm excited to watch the Angels this year, not only because they have Mike Trout, but because they actually gave Mike Trout some good players on his team. 
They, of course, added Shohei Otani, Ian Kinsler, and Zach Cozart. They re-signed Justin Upton as well. What do you think the realistic expectations for Otani are, both on the mound and at the plate this year? Man, it was a rough spring for Shohei Otani. It was, it was pretty brutal, to say the least. That said, I'm sure, if, I don't know how many of us remember, but I'll remind you, Ichiro Suzuki in 2001 spring training looked absolutely awful, and he went out and won MVP of the American League. So, my point is spring training doesn't really matter. Still, it was rough for Otani. I, I do think he's going to be a good pitcher. I do. I think he's going to be a, a, a good pitcher as early as this season. The hitting's another story. I really don't know how it's, it's going to work out. The hitting was always viewed by people in the industry as behind the pitching. Uh, I get why the Angels are letting him try. I love that the Angels are letting him try. I don't necessarily expect it to work. I hope it does more than anything in the world because it would be so awesome if he did both, and I'm not going to put it past him. Uh, people love the Angels. They had a very good offseason. I think a lot of people view them as a playoff contender. Personally, I'm a little, I'm not quite as high on them as others, which probably means they're going to win 95 games because I'm always wrong about everything. Uh, but I, I still have some questions about their pitching, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. Uh, I, it just doesn't really jump out at, at me. I don't, it doesn't inspire me at all. I think they're going to hit. I do think they're going to hit. So well, maybe they'll be in there and maybe I'm underestimating guys like Garrett Richards and Tyler Skaggs and Matt Shoemaker. Wouldn't be the first time. MVP race this year. You can in the American League. You get Mike Trout or the field. Who are you taking? I'm going to say the field only because I always say the field in questions like that. Because who knows? I mean, you're going to tell me that Carlos Correa can't have a Mike Trout as season for the Astros? He can. Sure he can. Mike Trout's the best player in the major leagues. Don't get me wrong. He's incredible. But I don't know. I'm going to say the field. And if I, I think Carlos Correa, I just have a good feeling about him this year. I think, he's have a, I think Carlos Correa could have a monster season this year. Yeah, I think he's going to win the MVP too, so we're on the same page there. Uh, let's move on to the Mariners. They added D. Gordon to play center field. Uh, the Mariners are a team that seem like they're just stuck in the middle. They have both those uh, big contracts with Felix and Cano, so it's tough for them to rebuild with those contracts. Do you think that they have any chance of getting into that playoff picture? I just see them as a team that's going to be stuck in that 78 to 82 wins, and that's not enough. Yeah, they're in a tough spot just because they, they have no real choice but to keep kind of pushing along because they have Robinson Cano logged up for so much, and they have Nelson Cruz, and they have, they just sort of have these guys that are sort of on their team they can't get rid of, Felix Hernandez being another, that they're kind of just forced to try to build around them. And I, I give Jerry DePoto credit. He's doing the best he can. D. Gordon is a good addition. They've had a bunch of injuries again this spring. But yeah, I just I just don't think they're good enough still. You know, last year I was sort of in on them. I thought last year they had a chance to be a playoff team. It didn't work out. Uh, maybe I was just off by a year and they'll surprise. But, you know, they're doing what the best they can with sort of a not the best hand. The A's were a sleeper team last year that didn't pan out at all. They had a young pitching staff that got injured and hit hard. They haven't been good in a while now. I don't see a ton of things to look forward for them either this year or really in the future. But give me something positive, something to like about the A's this year. Yeah, they've had a tough go the last couple of years. They were in the playoffs in 2012, 13, and 14. They've had three very bad seasons in a row since then. Uh, Frank, I don't quite know sort of where they're going right now. It's, they're also kind of in this weird place where it's like, are they rebuilding? Kind of, but do they have high-end prospects? If so, where are they? Yeah, the A's are in a tough spot. You know, I, I just, I feel for their fans. They've been sort of in this purgatory for so long. They have the stadium problem. I just don't get the sense that there's going to be much investment in that team until the stadium situation is sort of figured out and I feel like we've been talking about this for like a million years and it doesn't I guess they're closer to getting the stadium situation worked out but until there's something signed and there's dirt that's been moved and construction happening I'm kind of skeptical of it so yeah tough time for the A's tough time for their fans the Rangers are in a weird position it seems like their front office 
doesn't want to compete this year. They want to start rebuilding and tearing it down. I don't know if ownership told them not to. They didn't make any additions to make the team better. They have a lot of aging players. I can really see them turning into the Tigers. Again, they were a competitive team for a long time, but it looks like that their time is coming to an end here. Do you think they're going to be another big seller at the deadline? They had a terrible winter to me. Just awful. They didn't do anything. This was the, They could have brought themselves back into contention. They still have the pieces. They're there. Their lineup is still has a chance to be quite good. Adrian Beltre can still play. Joey Gallo is a big power hitter. Elvis Andrus, Nomar Mazzara. These are nice hitters. But they didn't do anything to go help them out. They had made some offseason moves. I feel like we're sitting here saying they're like the Angels. They're right in there for a playoff spot. As it stands, I don't really quite know where they are. Uh, and yeah, maybe we'll see some trades for them. And they're sort of from them this this uh, summer. But who? Who's going to get traded? Who is really going to command a lot? Who's really in demand? I don't really know. I, I kind of wish they had taken the Blue Jays route and just said, let's, let's really go for it and try to piece it together one more time with this group. I know you covered Bartolo Colon, who was really the biggest signing that the Rangers made this year. Do you have any good Bartolo stories? Oh, Bartolo, man, those that was a, those were a fun couple of years covering him with the Mets. He's an interesting guy. He used to hang out in the clubhouse with his little his little rolly mat thing because he doesn't really run or exercise. So instead, he just uh, rolls and stretches on a rolly mat, and sometimes for no reason at all, he just slams it against the wall and it sounded like someone shot a gun in the clubhouse i don't really know why but he found it very funny i didn't find it that funny i would pretty much jump three feet in the air every single time it happened but bartolo would crack up in his old corner of the clubhouse with his silly little rolly mat every single time moving on to the national league this this year has been circled for the nationals for a long time because it's bryce harper's walk year they changed managers this year. Do you think this is the last year, realistically, of their championship window? I don't know. You know, they have Steven Strasburg locked up for a while, and I'm not convinced they won't re-sign Bryce Harper either. I mean, the Yankees are now off the board in the Harper sweepstakes. Who's going to be in it? The Nationals will be one of them. I think they have as good of a chance as anyone, if not the best chance, to re-sign him. All that said, it's time for the Nationals to get that monkey off their back. They have to get out of the first round. This year, I don't believe there's anything to they're sort of choking. I do think it's just kind of bad luck and things not going their way. But man, oh, man, it's time for it to change. The Nationals got to have a big year this year and, and get it done in the postseason. And I think they will. I just think the odds have to be in their favor at this point. What do you think it means that three out of the seven super teams in baseball change managers this year? Yeah, it was weird, right? It was really weird. I wrote about this actually a few uh, months ago this is the most playoff teams ever from last year to change managers and i think you know they all went sort of the young manager route uh the recently relatively recently retired player guy who's going to just sort of relate to the players i think what you're seeing is front offices are taking an increasingly large role in sort of the decision making process of the game and the managers are sort of just there for relating to players and sort of in sort of just taking the front office vision and implementing it. So I think that's what you saw. That's sort of the common thread that all these teams did. And I don't really think any of those managers necessarily deserve to be fired, but, you know, it happened. So moving on. The Mets added some old guys this year. They added Todd Frazier. They brought back Jay Bruce, uh, even Adrian Gonzalez. I'm not sure that's the best strategy, signing guys on the wrong side of 30. There's a lot of questions still about the health of their pitching staff and the health of their breakout player, Michael Conforto, last year. They did change trainers as well, as health has been an issue for years with the Mets. But I want to focus on Conforto. He had such a big year last year. He seems to be ahead of schedule, which is a good sign for them. But do they expect him to be the same player when he comes back? Oh, yeah, they love Michael Conforto. He, they think he's going to be a star. Uh, I'm not here to argue with them. Uh, he's really a great-looking young hitter. Uh, hopefully he gets back. Hopefully he gets back soon. But what it comes down to with the Mets is will is will their pitchers stay healthy? And they haven't been able to uh, ever. And if they do, the Mets have a chance to really make noise in the NL East and make noise for a playoff spot. If they don't, they'll be terrible again. And I really believe it's that simple. It's just will the pitcher stay healthy? Yes or no. 
The Braves have a new GM. They also have two very hyped prospects in Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies. And I got to say, I believe the hype with those guys. I think they have two future stars in the making. And if that works out for them and those guys become stars, all of a sudden they're a very good team who have money to spend. And I think the Braves starting next season could be a force to reckon with. What do you think? Yep, they're in a good position. They're not there yet, I don't think. I am excited to watch them develop further. I think they're right on the cusp. They're one of those sort of rebuilding teams that you could see. So you could sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just don't think they're there yet in 2018. The Phillies signed Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta, both to three-year deals. They also gave Scott Kingery a contract before he is played for them, which I really like the Kingery uh, signing for them. I think they got a good player locked up at a good rate, so good for them. He gave essentially two years of free agency for them, and they locked him up into his 30s. So that's a good deal for everybody, it seems like. Everyone thought they'd make a big push next year, and they still might, but do you think they can get a wild card spot this year? I do. I, I, I'm not saying I would predict them or bet money on them. or I'm not saying I necessarily think they're a playoff team this year, but I'm not sure they're not. I'm not sure that they won't compete. I, I, think, they're, I think they're close. And most importantly, I think they think they're close. I don't think they signed Jake Arrieta this year if they don't think they're sort of right there. I think the Phillies might think higher of themselves. Maybe the average fan thinks of the Phillies. And I think there's something to that. I think that means something. So yeah, I think the Phillies have, I do think they have a chance to to compete for a wild card. And I know all my Met fan followers don't want to hear this, but the Phillies might be better than the Mets. They really they really might be. They're certainly going to be sort of. They're very young and exciting, and they're a lot have a lot more question marks than the Mets. But is this a team that's sort of like the Twins last year? That everyone sort of comes together at the same time, a little bit ahead of ahead of schedule. Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they do. And Jake Arrieta and Carlos Santana were two very nice pickups for them as well. So I think the Phillies are kind of one of those sneaky. Maybe they surprise us teams. The Marlins, of course, finally got rid of Jeffrey Loria. They have new ownership, but they came in and sort of mishandled everything, including the Stanton trade. Derek Jeter, not big into analytics, so they're not taking the analytic route to improve. But what can this team do realistically to compete in three years? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I don't I don't see the plan yet for the Marlins. Derek Jeter swears they have one. And who am I to question Derek Jeter? He's Derek Jeter. He says he has a plan. Okay. Show me the plan. Don't see it yet. Don't really see a bright future for the Marlins. And reality is, have the Marlins ever really had a bright future? So it's kind of just business as usual in Miami with a different owner. Yeah, it's a shame that market could be huge for baseball, but it's been butchered so many times now. The fans have grown sick of it, and I I don't blame them. Over to the NL Central, the Cubs, of course, added Hugh Darvish and Brandon Morrow. Um, They won the World Series two years ago. Many people think that Kyle Schwarber is set for a huge year as well. Do you expect Schwarber to bounce back from his bad year last year and blow past his expectations this year? I do. I think he'll have a big year. Uh, Much like I said about the Indians earlier, the Cubs are sort of now removed from that World Series hangover. Uh, To me, they have a great chance of winning the pennant again. we, We sort of looked at them last year assuming they were easily the best team in the major leagues. And they didn't quite live up to that, but they did go to the NLCS. This year, I don't feel like they're being talked about nearly as much. Maybe that's a good thing for them. Uh, And I think the Cubs will be right back in it again at the end of the season, like they've been for the last three years. They've been the NLCS three years in a row, and I can't tell you I'd be surprised if they're in it again for a fourth. The Brewers, I love what they did this offseason. They added Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich. They have a crowded outfield now, but they did announce that Ryan Braun will play first base against left-handers. Their pitching still seems very thin to me. Do you think their pitching is strong enough that they can challenge the Cubs for the division title? I think it's going to be tough, just because I think the Cubs are so good. I do think the Brewers are probably a playoff team, though. I I think they're they're ready to make that move into that wild-card spot. Their lineup's very good. It got better with Yelich and Kane. The Brewers say they like their pitching. I don't Again, I don't really see it, but you know, Chase Anderson and some of these guys are maybe better than sort of we realize the average fan might realize. And Jimmy Nelson will be back, hopefully, for them before too long. Uh, I think the Brewers have a very good chance to be a wild guard team this year. They were close last year, and I think they might be ready to make that jump. 
the Cardinals were connected to a lot of superstars this offseason. They were connected to Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, Manny Machado. They didn't get any of those guys. They did get Marcelo Ozuna. But do you feel like they fell one sh- one move short of making the playoffs or at least being in the picture? I think they fell a couple of moves short. And I, and I love the Cardinals. And I, I like watching them. I love Marcelo Ozuna. Love Marcelo Ozuna. I'm really glad about that move. That's an, aw- that's an awesome move right there. That said, uh, their bullpen is a complete mess. It's just an absolute mess. Who's their closer right now? Is it Dominic Leone? Is it Tyler Lyons? Does anyone listening know who Dominic Leone or Tyler Lyons are? Uh, I don't. They. I just don't know why. When there was this big rash uh, of relievers that were out there, why they didn't make a move to get one of them. Uh, I think their lineup's going to be pretty good. Ozuna helps it a lot, but yeah, the bullpen really bothers me. I think maybe it'll surprise me. Maybe this Leone guy or Lyons will end up being awesome and. The Cardinals will blow past the Brewers and end up being that wild card team. But uh, yeah, I would have liked that they had done a little more this winter. The Reds, I think, are an example of a team that was trying to rebuild for years and not really working. There's still a not, a, not a lot of talent on their major league roster. Joey Votto was great. He's going to the Hall of Fame someday. But the rest of that roster has a lot of questions. They did extend uh, Suarez for them, Eugenio Suarez, who had a great year for them last year. But what do you think that means for their top prospect, Nick Senzel? The Reds are such a weird team to me because I can't really say they're tanking, but they're also not good, and they haven't been good for a long time. It's just like sort of who are they? What's their identity? I don't really know. Uh, I don't. I just don't have a good feel for like sort of where they are or where they're they're going. So, yeah, sorry, Reds fans. Maybe I'm just sort of ignorant about sort of their plan. I just don't really quite quite get it. They don't seem that close to me. Yeah, me either. The Pirates this offseason, they traded Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole. They still think they're contenders. Do you? No, and I think their offseason was a joke. It was terrible, actually, and I I really sympathize for Pirates fans. There's no reason why they couldn't have continued to make a run with the players they had. I know last year was a disappointment. I understand it didn't go as well as they had expected, but this is a team that was in the playoffs quite a, a couple times with this group. It was a, it's a good team. Just because they underachieved you know, last season and maybe the year before doesn't mean they couldn't get back. Uh, I, don't like, I, just, I just don't think those moves were made in good faith. And I'm sorry for the really good baseball fans of Pittsburgh that they may be going through another extended period of struggles now. Moving on to the NL West, the Dodgers came so close last year. And this year, they really did very little to improve the team. It seems like their primary goal was getting under the uh, the luxury tax salary cap number there. It does seem like Matt Kemp is going to be starting in their outfield and being their third hitter. What do you think the Dodgers did this offseason? And it seems to me like of all the teams that should have gone for it in a mode to add rather than just get under that, that luxury tax number. Yeah, but the Dodgers didn't really have much to do. They didn't have any holes. They were the best team in the major leagues last year. Uh, their depth is just beyond incredible. To me, that's still the case. Their depth is still just ridiculous. Uh, they still have really good starting pitching. They still have a really good bullpen with Kenley Jansen. Where do you sort of where do you add if you are the Dodgers this offseason? I just don't really know what area you kind of go add to. They went to Game Seven in the World Series last year. They decide where they'll run it back with what we got, and I don't really blame them. I, I totally understand it. And I'm looking at their roster right now, and I still don't really quite see where I would have added pieces to it. What about the Rockies and the Diamondbacks? Obviously, they're competitors in the NL West. I'm going to lump them in together because they were both very good teams last year. The Diamondbacks made the playoffs. The Rockies were close. But ultimately, neither team really did much this offseason. And I think both of those teams were the type of teams that really could have made a difference this year and this offseason if they wanted to push. Yeah, the Diamondbacks were particularly disappointing for me because they did lose. Uh, a big part of their playoff team last year in J.D. Martinez, and they didn't quite replace him with anything that's going to be able to replace those numbers, although I do like Steven Souza Jr. He's not J.D. Martinez. The Rockies are a different story. I think the Rockies did have a, a nice little offseason. You know, they, they brought in Brian Shaw and Wade Davis, and they re-signed Jake McGee. They really, really uh, bolstered their bullpen. The question for the Rockies, are they going to hit enough? Uh, you know, you know what you'll get out of Blackman, Arenado, and LeMahieu. What would you get about? Uh, what would you get out of everybody else? Um, I think the Rockies 
or maybe the better team than the Diamondbacks potentially. I, I think I think people might be sleeping on them a little bit, and I like the moves they made in that bullpen. I, I think it could have a big impact on the team. The Giants early in the offseason, they traded for Andrew McCutcheon and Evan Longoria. I like them a lot going into the year, but then last week they lost Madison Bumgarner and Jeff Samarja to injuries. Doesn't look like Samarja is going to be out that long, maybe only through April. Bumgarner, perhaps two months. What do you think? Do you think they can stay in the race? Do you think they can stay afloat long enough until the both of those guys come back and help them out? Man, I hope so. You know, literally until five days ago, I was all prepared to pick the Giants to make the playoffs. Uh, I love the offseason the Giants had. I love that they're going for it. I love the players they have. I think they're much better than they the team they were last year. That team last year was a better team than sort of their record showed. That was sort of one of those everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong kinds of seasons. But man, how do you how do you not how do you handle losing Madison Bumgarner? Such a big part of that team. The only thing I'll say about the Giants is this: the season's long. It's a lot longer than we remember every single year we kind of forget how long how long the season is uh and maybe they'll be okay that's what i'll say maybe they will be okay and maybe he'll come back Bumgarner will come back in june they'll kind of have stayed afloat and then they'll take off and i hope so because i like the moves they made and i and i just love the organization and i love their fans and their ballpark and i think baseball is better when the giants are good the Padres have a lot of young talent. They have a great farm system. They have that talent is coming soon, but it's not there yet. They did give a ton of money to Eric Hosmer. Were you surprised that they went after Hosmer? And were you surprised that Hosmer chose them? I was surprised just because you don't expect the Padres to spend. But on the other hand, I love it. Good for them. You know, whether or not you like the move, you can't say the Padres aren't trying. And isn't that sort of what, at this point, sort of what you would ask? Like, they're trying to win. They, they're making it go at it. They're trying to build something. And I think they have a plan. I think they're sort of getting closer. They're not like some of these other teams we mentioned, like the Reds, where it's sort of like, where are you and where are you going? I think we see where the Padres are going. And I talked to A.J. Preller, their GM, about this this spring. Which is just because they might not win 90 this year doesn't mean there's not value in being better and just being a little bit better and sort of building over time and moving from 72 to 78 wins or 75 to 82 wins. Like there's value there. And I agree with them. I think I understand like it's bad to be in the middle. It is bad to be in the middle. But that doesn't mean sort of trying to win a few more games and winning a few more games in the year before is a negative thing. So uh, I, I love that the Padres signed Hosmer. No idea if it's going to work out. But I still like that they did it. What's the one storyline that you're looking forward to most this season? Ooh, one storyline. Man, God, there's so many. I think just the Yankees watching Stanton and Judge just play together is going to be uh, a lot of fun. I think watching Bryce Harper in a contract year is going to be a lot of fun. I hope Shohei Otani is, sort of remains an interesting story because he's pitching and hopefully hitting really, really well. So those are a few that come to mind. And also just can the Astros repeat? That's another one. I you know, they're certainly poised to do it, but will it happen? You've been listening to Jared Diamond. Jared is the national baseball writer for the Wall Street Journal. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Jared Diamond. Jared, thanks so much for the time, the extended time, and thanks for joining the podcast today. Thank you so much.